Okay, so this, this morning we, we jump back into our current sermon series, Genesis New Beginnings. And what we're going to do is look at Genesis 13 and 14, and we're going to see the story of Abram and Lot. Um, while you're turning there in your Bibles, let me just take a, a second to remind you of where we left off in Genesis 12. If you remember that Abram was called out of his land, Ur, he was told to go into the land I will give you. He didn't even know where he was going. He ended up following God, lands in a land that's called Canaan. Well, not everything turned up glitter and rainbows and parties for him. A famine takes over and grips the land. And Abram, without really thinking much about it, takes off and heads for greener pastures in Egypt. More bad decisions follow that bad decision, and he ends up in a big mess inside of Egypt. So much so that the Pharaoh asks him, Sarai, and Lot to get out of the country. Tells him to get out. And then Ron left us with last time through the life of Abraham, we see that, that through a life of obedience, that we can forge through those failures in our lives. That's what Ron left us with. And we're going to see Abraham model, Abraham model that for us today as we look at, at, at his decision-making process and the way he lived his life in chapter 13 and 14. So we're going to start by looking at the first four verses together in chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where he and had a, I'm sorry, where his tent and had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There, Abraham, Abram called on the name of the Lord. So Abram listens to the Pharaoh, takes his stuff meanders up through the Negev back to the very place that he left God. He didn't look around for a different place. He didn't look around for better circumstance. He literally went back to the very place that he built that altar. And I'm telling you now, that's some good advice for us right out of the chute. Because when we find ourselves out in left field somewhere, out on our own, making our own decisions without guidance from God, without praying about it, the best thing we can do when we realize we're out in left field is we better get back to the place where we left God in the first place. And in doing so, it gives us a chance to, to, to start over, to, to make a new beginning. And that's exactly what we see Abram do throughout this story. He goes back to the very place he built an altar, and what's he do? He prays. He calls on the name of the Lord. Now, I'm sure some of you skeptics will look at this and say, hey, that didn't work out too bad for Abram. He, he went to Egypt, sure, it wasn't the best thing to do, but he ended up with his wife back, and look, he's got all this stuff. He got cattle and sheep and camels and male servants and female servants, Sarai even got a, a maidservant out of the deal. He went back and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord forgave him. Sure, God is a God of second chances. But there are consequences for our choices. There are consequences for our actions. 
And we're going to see that play out in this story because all the stuff that they left with and took back to Canaan with them ended up causing them trouble as they went. Because our choices do matter. And that's what we're going to focus on. Look at verse 5 to verse 7. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanite and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So what we see is the Canaanites and Perizzites were already settled there. So it's, it's not a stretch to think that they were settled in the best of the land. They would have chosen the best pastures, the best watering holes. They would have had everything set up. So when, when Lot and Abram move back in and come into the country with all this stuff they had, they would have had to settle for whatever land that was left. And when you think about that, when you think about the words here, the author is, is really focused on this, this tension that, it, that is mounting between them, the strife, the conflict. There's not enough food to support them. There's not enough grassland. There's not enough water. So the, this tension is starting to build between them. And this leads to Lot has got to make a decision. I'm sorry, Abram has got to make a decision. And as a result of Abram making the decision, Lot is going to have to make a decision. And as they make these decisions, we're going to see in these stories two very different paths with two very different outcomes that come out of this story. So what I want to do is I'm going to look at the whole block of text between verses 8 and 18 so you can see the whole story and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll look at it in detail and break this apart on the, the different path that Abram and Lot took. So let's start with verse 8 and read this together. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not your whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, right? Garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt. That's where he just came from, toward Zor. This was before Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out to the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see I will give you into your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. All right, so we're going to see these two paths. 
And these two paths lead to very different outcome in the way they make their decision and what comes from that. And as we study these two paths that they take, we are going to see four essentials, four essentials to God-honoring decisions, right? These are all decisions we want to make, decisions that honor God. So we're going to see four of those. So let's start by looking at uh, verse 8 in the first part of verse 9. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. So Abram made his, Abram made his decision. He knew that they couldn't stay together. He knew that, it, that it peace was not going to come from this conflict that was coming between them. Could you imagine how hard that decision was? Abram left Ur. He left all of his family. He only had Sarai. He only had Lot. He was blood. They had been through thick and thin together. But Abram knew that this was not going to work out. And to do so, to make this hard decision, Abram had to be focused on what God wanted. And if you look in your bulletin notes, that's the first thing that we'll see in the first essential is that Abraham, Abram was focused on God. Remember, he had just learned this lesson by getting down into Egypt, returning out of Egypt back to where God has him. He wasn't about to make that same mistake again. His heart was finally right with God. His heart was finally focused on what God wanted, not what was easier for him. And God, he, Abram had to be focused on what God wanted for his heart to be right. But what about Lot? Look at verse 10. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before Lord, the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See, Lot's heart wasn't right with God. He, he was thinking about wealth. He was thinking about the, the life that he experienced in Egypt. And instead of, 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 of working through this conflict, when, when Abram opens up the door for this separation, Lot jumps at the chance. He turns his eye away from his uncle Abram and he turns his eye away from what God has and kind of takes a look out there to see if there's a better path. So what we see is that while Abram remained focused on, yeah, Lot, Lot, um, he was, um, Lot was not Lot. He was Lot. We all know that. <laughs> Lot looked to see what was around. Was there an easier path? I don't want to deal with this conflict. Can you guys relate to that? Lifting your eyes up away from where God has you to see if there's something a little better or a little easier. 
And let me tell you, when we do that, that is a very, very dangerous place to be. Because he turns up his eyes, looks to what the world has to offer. See, once we start that in our decision-making process, once we lift our eyes from what God has for us, what God has given us at that time, it is as easy for us to turn our back on God as it was for Lot. And we all know the temptations well in our life that caused this situation for us want to look, right? It's when things are hard, when things are tough, we got a challenge that we want to face. We don't like the circumstance of our marriage. We don't like the circumstance of our, our financial situation. We don't like the circumstance of our family. It's, it's, we get so tired of waiting on God, we just kind of look up and say, God, there's, there's got to be a way out of this. And we start thinking that we can figure out what that is. But I'll start with a look. Right? See, our disobedience to God isn't this flat-out disobedience from moment one. I want to have an extramarital affair. I want to lie my way and cheat my way through school. I want to be addicted to porn. I want a divorce. Now, our, 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 our trek down this path doesn't start with flat-out disobedience. It all starts with this look away from God, looking for a solution, looking for an easy way out. And that's our first essential, is a God-honoring decision. Start with an unwavering focus on God, not on ourselves and not on our circumstances. All right, the second essential is that we've got we to walk by faith and not by sight. Look at the second part of verse 9. Is not the whole land before you go, um, you go left? Here's what I want you to focus on. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. What we see Abram doing here, he trusted God. See, what looks at the service is a, is a, a, a nice gesture by Abram to Lot to let him pick for was really much, much more than that. Because Abram right here is demonstrating trust in the Lord. Because God promised Abram all that land. He would have been well within his right to tell Lot, this is what I'm taking, this is my land, get out, take all your stuff with you. Or at the very least, he could have said, this is the part I'm taking for myself, you can have what's left. But an amazing display of, of generosity, in an amazing display of grace, Abram gave Lot the choice. He didn't trust that it was going to be his plan that he would get the land. He knew that, that fighting over it jealously wasn't the right approach, that God wouldn't want that. Instead, he acted righteously. He acted generously because he was trusting that the Lord was going to give him what he promised. Now, on the other hand, what did Lot do? Look at verse 11a, first part of 11. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan. 
It's quite the opposite response, isn't it? We see here Lot is walking by sight. While Abram is walking by faith and trusting. Lot looked up from his relationship with God and looked out into that plain and he liked what he saw. He liked that the, that the ground was fertile. He liked that the pastures were big. He liked what was pleasing to the eye. What started off as a simple look away in this confrontation with Abram turned in to an attraction or a like of what the world had to offer. And you know, the same thing is true for each one of us. It's so easy to walk by sight, isn't it? It's so easy to, to trust in the things that we can see. The, the, the amount of money that we have in our savings account. The, the, the nice comfy home that we go home to. A clean bill of health. These are all things that we can, we can see, that we can touch, that we can put our faith and our trust in. But Abram, on the other hand, trusted in God, not the thing that he could see. And that's our second essential. In order to make godly decisions, we must walk by faith, trusting in the Lord only, not by sight, not by the things of this world. The third essential in making God-honoring decisions is that we need to wait on the Lord to move us. Look at verse 11. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. So what happened here? Pretty straightforward. Lot left. Lot chose separation over reconciliation. And all we see is a trail of dust as he heads off into the east towards the things that were pleasing to his eyes. No prayer to God. No calling on his name. He just left. How many of you can relate to Lot here? Tired of waiting on God? God's not answering your prayers in a timely enough fashion for you. Things are hard. Things are a little tight. Things are uncomfortable in your house. Things are difficult at work. Not enough money to pay the bills. And you look up. You like the option. And you just leave. You turn your back on what really God has for you. And you start marching down a path. I can tell you I've certainly have been there. Now Abram, on the other hand, he stayed the course. Look at the first part of verse 12. Abram lived in the land of Canaan. That's where God put him. He didn't move. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are. Look north and south, east and west. And in verses 17 and 18, go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, 
where he built an altar to the Lord. So while Lot left, we see that Abram waited. Abram didn't stray. He wasn't looking for anything better. He knew that Canaan was the last place that God put him and he was going to stay there. He wasn't going to move until God told him to move. And I don't know about you. If you're anything like me, this is really convicting. Because so many times I get impatient. I know kind of what's right in my gut. It just feels right. And, 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 and I charge ahead and I, I go off and I do it. Convinced it's the right path for me. And then ultimately, days or weeks or months later, I turn to God and ask God to bless what I'm doing. <laughs> Never asking him to do it in the first place. And that is a complete, utter fail. Every single time. If you're like me, you need to develop a, a discipline to be patient, to wait on God to answer your prayers. Staying where God has you, whether it's in the conflict or uncomfortableness, until he tells you it's time to make a move and to do something. And we need to do that in prayer. And we need to do that in everything, not just the big things or not just the hard things. We don't know where to go to him. That's what James tells us in chapter 1, verse 5. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and to him it will be given. And see, this, this requires a willingness to, to wait on him, a willingness for the Lord to confirm. This is hard. Some of you can relate to that. Now, there are others of you here that have no problem on waiting. Your issue is you know God's telling you to move, but you don't go. Because it's too scary. It's too hard. You don't understand how the details are going to work out. You don't know what's on the other side of taking that step. That's no better than jumping out too soon. When God says to go, to go we got to go. When he told Abram to go, Abram picked up his tent and he went. And so should we. These are the most frequent conversations I have the privilege of, of having here at the Bible Chapel. People trying to discern the next step in their life. Should I be in this relationship or not? Should I move to this city or not? Should I stay in my current job or not? Should I change careers or not? Should I move from this neighborhood or not? Should I reconcile that issue with my family or not? And my advice usually comes down to this. That you need to stay where you are. That you need to stay the course until God tells you to do something else. You need to stay exactly where you are, regardless of how comfortable it is. You need to stay there until God himself calls you to do something else. 
And then on the other side of that is God telling you, if God's telling you to go, you better giddy up. Because he's got stuff for you to do. That's the third essential of making godly decisions. The fourth essential. God gives. There's no need to take. Look at the second half of 12 and 13. Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and sinned greatly against the Lord. Look how Lot continued to slide down that proverbial slippery slope. He not only looked away from his relationship with Abram and God, he not only liked what the world had to offer, he not only left his relationship with God in the rearview mirror, now we see him taking what he liked. Notice where, it, where he pitched his tent, near Sodom. Now he could have pitched his tent anywhere in that plain. He could have pitched it on the complete opposite side of Sodom, staying as far away from sin as he could. Staying far away from the wickedness, far away from the evil as he could, but he didn't. He decided to pitch his tent right near Sodom, the very place that wicked men sinned against God. But to this point in the story, Lot doesn't go all in and move into downtown Sodom and immersing himself in that type of lifestyle. He stops a little bit short. He sets up camp just on the outskirts of Sodom. You know, close enough just to have the experience. Close enough just to, to, to see what's going on. Close enough to get the heart racing. The blood pumping. Sound familiar to any of you? That, that you might be in a, you may not be in a physical relationship outside of your marriage, but you're hanging out in the seediest and darkest places of the internet. You not, might not be flat out lying to your spouse and to your friends, but you're certainly not coming really forward with all the truth that they really should know. You see, you're not living in downtown Sodom, but you set up yourself a nice cozy place right on the fringes in the suburbs, hanging out right on the fringe of sin, living on the edge, many steps away from the path that God would choose for you, taking things that are pleasing to the eye, taking things that make you feel good about yourself, in reality, taking a hiatus from your walk with the Lord. And just like Lot, continuing to take chance after chance after chance with your job, with your marriage, with your relationship with the Lord, with your reputation as a believer. So here we're going to see that Lot took. Abram on the other hand, as we look at verse 15, those are some baddies. Lot received. Verse 15, all the land you will see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. See, as we see, Abraham stayed focused 
on God. He trusted that the Lord was going to give him what he needed. He waited on the Lord to do that. And now what do we see? The Lord giving him, Abram receiving what the Lord had promised. And we see that he gets the land that was promised to him and his offsprings. All the land that he could see was given to him. See, we, in this scripture, we see Lot says, I will take. And we see the Lord say, I will give. What a contrast. See, godly, God-honoring decisions do not lead us to taking things that we want. God-honoring decisions lead us to receiving the things that we need from the Lord. Very, very different. So when we look at these two paths, you, you, look, at, you look at Lot, selfish, short-sighted, he looked away from his relationship with God and his family. He liked what the world had to offer. He left without asking God, and he took what was pleasing to the eye. Abram, on the other hand, made selfless and righteous decisions. And we see that he stayed focused on God, that he trusted in what the Lord told him. He waited on God to give him what he promised. And that he received what the Lord promised to him. And those two different paths lead to very different outcomes for these men. The first one we're going to see with Abram, we're going to see that Abram prospers. And with Lot through his family and the generations that follow, we're going to see suffering. First, let's take a look at Abram. Verse 16. I will make your offsprings like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. To sum this up, Abram prospered. He was given the land. At the ripe old age of 100, he was given a son. And through Isaac, God's promise of offspring, as numerous as the dust, comes true. And Abram's righteousness and his obedience would bless generations. In fact, Abram's blessings flow to every single one of us. By who? Jesus. Look how Peter addresses the, the crowds in the beginning of the early church in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. It says that you are the heirs of the prophets and the covenant of God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, right? We'll see in a couple of weeks that God changes Abram's name to Abraham. Through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, that's Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And Paul writes to the church in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
See, the blessings of Jesus comes through us. It's a gift of grace from God, but through the righteousness of Abram. Now, Lot, that is a whole nother story. His family, he and his family suffered mightily for his short-sighted and selfish decisions. In chapter 14, which we don't have time to go through in, in detail, you see a, a first 11 verses, you kind of see a typical international skirmish that takes place in the ancient of days. Uh, four kings form a coalition and kind of um, run roughshod through Sodom and Gomorrah, taking all the food, taking all the, all the goods and doing all that. But we see, see something very interesting in verse 12. It says, they also carried off Abram's nephew Lot in his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So apparently the commute from the suburbs of sin became a little much for Lot. He picked up his tents and went straight in the middle of Sodom where all the evil and all the wickedness was. And as a consequence of that decision, he was carried off as a prize of war. But Abraham, Abram, out of, out of, of an act of grace, goes to war and frees Lot from that situation. But we know that the draw of sin is powerful at times. And we're going to see in a few weeks that Lot succumbs again to this draw and we find him living back in the heart of sin again. And it gets worse. So, so Lot's in the city. The God sends the two angels to destroy the city. And, it, and these angels arrive. The townspeople want to have sex with these angels. So what does Lot do? Lot offers up his virgin daughters to have sex with the people to spare the angels. When Lot realized that these angels are here to, um, to destroy the city, Lot is so far in sin that the people, they know his family doesn't even believe him that they're at risk. But with an amazing act of grace from God, Lot and his daughters escape the, 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 the slaughter in Sodom and Gomorrah. But see, the tragedy doesn't stop there. Lot's daughters get Lot drunk and sleep with him. And both daughters become pregnant. One of them have a daughter. I have one that has a son, and his name is Moab. And he becomes the patriarch of the Moabites. The other daughter has a son called Ben-Ami, who becomes the patriarch of the Ammonites. And we know that the Ammonites and the Moabites were, were, were vicious towards God's people. For generations, they tortured the Israelites. So Lot ruined his family and left generations of misery on God's chosen people. Now we know later in scripture, we read in Peter, that Lot ends up being a righteous man. But Lot's made some really bad decisions right here. And Abraham, Abram doesn't get off. He's not squeaky clean either. He ended up, he's the reason he ended up in Egypt. And what came out of Egypt? Sarai ended up with the maidservant. What was the maidservant's name? Hagar. And in a moment of weakness, in a moment of, 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 of impatience, in a moment of a lack of trust, Sarai offers up Hagar to Abram so that he can have a son. And she gets pregnant and has a son. And what's his name? Ishmael. And in the line of Ishmael was who? Muhammad. 
And the prophet Muhammad is the patriarch of what religion? Islam. See, there are consequences for our decisions. But a life of faithful obedience forges through failure. And we see here, after that mistake, we see Abram focused on what God had for him. We see him trusting in God for what he was going to need. We see him waiting on God, not rushing out ahead of him. And we see him receiving what God had promised. So to close our services today, I I, I want us to, to take this Old Testament story, which seems so far ago, and, and, and bring that into our current world, to bring it into our realization. And at each of the campuses, you're going to see baskets at the end of your aisles. I'm going to ask you to pick up those baskets, pass them down the aisles, and take a sheet of paper. In Robinson, your sheet of paper was left on your chair. And on the online campus, you have a prayer button that's on your screen. And what I want to do is I want to get real with you guys for a second. We face countless decisions every moment, every day. They're either going to be God-honoring or they're not. Some of you can relate to where the path that Lot took right here and you're, you're standing on the edge of that slippery slope. That you're, 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 you're tired of your circumstances right now. You're, you're tired of waiting on God. It's just too hard to keep going through this job. It's too hard to keep going through this marriage. It's too hard to deal with these relationships. The conflict's too much. There's got to be an easier way. And you're, you're starting to, to pick up your head away from God and to kind of look towards the world to see if there's a, a better option or an easier path for you. Maybe you're one step further, you slid a little bit further down that path. And not only have you looked, but you've started to like. There's something out there that's, that's appealing to you. There's something out there that's, that's calling you, that's, that's saying this way is better, this way is easier. This way is going to make you feel better about yourself. And maybe you're a little further down that slippery slope And you've already turned your back on God. You didn't ask him. You didn't pray to him. You saw something that you like and you're in a process of leaving. You're in a process of making a decision and going down a path and you never asked God for his guidance or direction. And maybe you've slid down to the bottom of that slope. And you have taken what was pleasing to the eye, displeasing to God because it makes you feel good, because you like it, because you like what it had to offer instead of what God has for you today. And yet I know there's some here today that have slid all the way down that slope And you're lying flat on your back, looking up to the heavens, asking God, how in the world did this happen? 
how did I get here? And you look around and there's nothing but consequences in your family, in your job, in your finances. And you find yourself so far from God that you don't even know if you can find your way back to him. And you may even be in a place where you don't even know if he, he would take you back if you could find your way. But as we see through the life of Abram today, he will take you back. Regardless if you're just looking over that slope or whether you're laying at the bottom of it, God's waiting on you to return to him. There's nothing that you have done to make God love you any less. There's nothing that you have done to make him turn his back on you. He's still in the same spot. You're the one that left. Come back to him. He has things he wants you to receive, his blessing. He wants you to prosper. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans for, I have made for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He wants you back. And his arms are wide open. So as I pray to close our service, we're not going to have a closing song today. I just want y'all to do business with God. And I want you to take this time as I pray and I want you to write on that piece of paper. Maybe you can relate to one of these words like, left, looked, took. Where it's a specific thing you're in the process of praying about. It's a specific thing you're struggling with. I want you to write it on that piece of paper. As I told you, I'm going to Israel tomorrow. And my promise to every single one of you, I'm going to ask you to come up at every campus and to drop off these sheets at the bottom of the cross. I'm going to take every single one of them with me to Israel. I'm going to pray over those. And some of them I'm going to stick in the wailing wall. I want you to know that we as church are praying for you and are partnered with you to help you return to God. So when I pray, I'm going to say amen. We're going to be standing up here to pray for you and I ask you to come up and put those at the foot of the cross. And if that makes you uncomfortable, leave them at your feet, leave them in the bins and I will go around every row and every seat and the campus pastors will too and we'll collect them and we'll pray over those for you. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the story of Abram and Lot. Father, we thank you that you are a God that forgives. You are a God of mercy. You are a God of grace. Father, whether we're in a process of sliding down that slippery slope or we're laying flat on our back, dealing with the consequences of our selfishness, Father, it says that that you love us and that you have plans for us and that a, that a life of, of obedience can forge through that failure. And we know we can do that with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So Father, I challenge every person here as they're writing on that sheet of paper this, this, this symbolic way of, 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 of turning that decision over to you and dropping it at the foot of the cross Father, they can walk out these doors knowing 
that if they would stay focused on you, that they would trust you, and if they waited on you, that they will receive your blessing because you have plans for them to prosper. Father, thank you for your promise in your word today. And we look forward to making God-honoring decisions which lead to a lifetime of blessing in the generations that will follow us. And we know that we can do that in the holy and powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray together. Amen.